Ezekiel records the prophet's message to the people of the southern kingdom of Judah. They're incarcerated in Babylon because of their rebellion against God. And God really starts dealing with Ezekiel about the condition of the land. He says the sins which Jerusalem stands charged with are exceeding sinful. He said there's murder, idolatry, disobedience to parents, oppression, extortion, and sensuality. He said it's corrupt. And he's not talking about the Babylonians. He's talking about his people. And the bottom line of all the, this wickedness was their unmindfulness of God. They no longer think about the God that brought their ancestors out of Egypt. They're unmindful to him. They go through the same routine and ritual, but they've lost their identity. You know, it's possible to come to church and still not have an identity in Christ. And now they're ruled by their lust and have resolved to be their own master, just like their oppressors. And the consequence is they can expect no other happiness than their own hands can furnish. And it will prove to be a miserable portion. Because I'm telling you, if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, you don't know that peace that transcends understanding. That shelter, that supernatural shelter and joy and peace that covers you. He's, God said, I can't give them any of that because they're no longer in covenant with me. The people that, and, and it, gets, it gets worse. The people they had in power abused it, beginning with the prophets who conspired to seize wealth from the populace. They would say they've seen visions and they really didn't see visions. They would give prophecies, but it wasn't prophecies. They were lying. The priests failed to teach God's law and profane his holy things, closing their eyes to immorality. They were, they were blind, the blind leading the blind, intentionally blind. They didn't want to open their eyes to God. Meanwhile, the officials were nothing but greedy bureaucrats, destroying lives to make profit dishonestly. Even the people of the land were corrupt and deserved judgment. So here we get a picture of a society in complete chaos and broken down every sphere of authority in God's kingdom program is gone from the religious leaders to the civil government and even the family unit they were all failing in their responsibility to carry out God's kingdom on earth which leads to one of the most moving scriptures you'll ever read in the Bible Ezekiel 22 verse 30 and I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. God said, I don't want to. I don't want to destroy the land. I want to reconcile. I want to, I want to give restoration to the land. But I need one person to stand in the gap that I should not destroy it. Look what he said. But I found none. Not one person. God wanted to do something. But he couldn't find one individual to stand against the culture and the spirit of that age and say, no, not me and my family. So I want to preach to you for the next little while on this topic. The link between faith and fulfillment. The link 
between faith and fulfillment. I don't know if you know this or not, but we live in 2021. And a lot of what was going on in the days of Ezekiel are happening right now in our nation. And just faith isn't enough. There better be some anointing on that faith and some works and some actions that take us to the next level. Dear Heavenly Father, I need your anointing today. God, help me to deliver your word with love and compassion the way that you want me to deliver it, God. Help me to bring revelation of your scripture. God, anoint me today in the name that's above every other name. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and you may be seated. There's an old hymn that says, like shorebirds living between sand and surf, we live in a world of in-between. Think about that. On the one hand, we read that God so loved the world. And on the other hand, we read, love not the world, neither the things of the world. So there's tension there. There's tension with every, within every believer because we're supposed to love everyone in the world. Can I say that again? Love everyone in the world. Doesn't matter what their ethnicity is or their race. If we're of God's kingdom, we love everybody. But we're called to love everyone in this world without turning into the world. Think about it. Jesus was crucified between the tension of doubt and belief. One criminal said, I don't want what you have. And another criminal said, please take me to paradise with you when you go. And we're living between the same tension. We have a world pulling on us saying that faith is outdated. Christianity is outdated. The cross is foolishness. And then there's another side that says, I got to have something different. There's got to be an anointing and a power. We're caught in a world in between. We live in a world and Jesus understood this tension. So in John 14, he gives some instructions. Jesus was expressing his own concerns for the church and its future. He knew what we would face even today. So Jesus looks at his unique group of ragtag followers and says, I'm going to robe each of you in a coat of many colors that will declare I am going to be glorified through you. I'm glad today that God redeems those others discard. You heard what I said? God redeems those others discard. And there, you hear me today. There will always be tension between who you are and who you're becoming. But you never let who you are keep you from what God wants you to become. You always step forward into that. Why? Because God has a way of using our brokenness to put others back together again. And if I stop reaching for what God has, uh, then somebody's going to miss out on what God has in store for them. Uh, so Jesus gives them the key to link faith to fulfillment. And this is what he says, John 14 and 14. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Notice that he says in my name. What name is he talking about? Jesus. Now watch this. The name has meaning. You got to understand covenant. The name has meaning. In the Old Testament, God reveals himself to them through names. Connoting his purpose, authority, and character. And because of the depth of God's character, he had various names that reflect the many ways he related to humanity. For example, God was called Elohim. When he wanted to reveal himself as the all-powerful creator. He would reveal himself as Jehovah Nisa. 
the Lord's banner of victory, a name they would have needed to know when seeking victory. They would have had to know the name Jehovah Nisa. God was also known as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. And when they were in need of provision, he was called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. You see, God had a name for every situation his people found themselves in. But the most important name ever revealed in the Old Testament was Emmanuel, God with us. Watch this, Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now I want you to notice. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Everybody say son. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. And the Prince of Peace. The revelation we get of that scripture. Is that this Emmanuel that shows up. Is showing up as the Son, the Father, and the Spirit of peace. The prophet said there's going to be one name that is going to embody every attribute and title of God. And in Colossians we read, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. You know what that word image means? The likeness and representation of God. That's who Jesus was. And in Hebrews, we see that Jesus is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. That word radiance means Jesus wasn't the shadow of God. Jesus was the very light of God, the very image. He wasn't just a shadow of who God was. He was divinely God manifested in the flesh. That's why when you turn to John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld what? We beheld His radiance, His glory. Imagine the depth of that reality. The Word who is God came down to dwell among us. Jesus walking among the broken. He was flesh, bones, sinew, and blood, and yet He was perfectly perfectly divine at one moment he was hungry you heard what i said he was hungry the next moment he's multiplying bread and fish to feed five thousand because he wanted to feel what we feel but don't you mistake it he was still god of the impossible listen he would be thirsty you know what that means he needed some drink He would be thirsty, but he could also walk on water to where the apostles were, the disciples. One moment, Jesus agonized on a cross and died. Three days later, he got up out of that borrowed tomb and said, I am God manifested in the flesh. Why is this important? Let me tell you why it's important. Colossians 1 and 19, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Everything that God was in the Old Testament was embodied in Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus took everything there is to know about Jehovah and put it on display in Jesus. That's why we pray in his name. We lay hands on the sick in his name. We baptize in his name. His name is a strong tower that the righteous run into. Uh, Jesus became and still is the complete revelation of God himself. That's why you can't go around Jesus and get to God. 
Now, what I just said, you can't go around Jesus and get to God. You can't. You got to go through him. So does Jesus name baptism really matter? Well, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. The link is Jesus name. Ephesians four and five. There's one Lord. There's one faith and there's one baptism. Acts two thirty eight. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in what? The name of Jesus Christ, which is the name of the father, is the name of the son and is the name of the Holy Ghost. Permission of sins and you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is one name that embodies everything God is. So is baptism important? Mark 16 and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now you answer the question is Jesus name baptism important? The link between faith and fulfillment is the name of Jesus Christ. When we go down in the name, we take his identity and we come out of the water with the name Jesus Christ on our life. At his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. He is that. He is God robed in flesh, the very, the very name that we need. He that the Son is, has set free is what? Free indeed. There is a legal document. There is a covenant when we go down in the name. And listen, we're not outlaws today. We are legally free. And when the enemy shows up and say, look what you used to be, but you don't know the name that I took on. I have a legal deed that says I am free. This name, this name has all power in heaven and earth. Let me tell you the power of a name. Goliath, a giant, is defying the people of God on earth. He's intimidating them. Day and night, he tormented them. But one day, a boy showed up to deliver lunch to his brothers on the battlefield. And he heard the giant in the center of Israel's camp and the Philistine camp. He was in the valley. He was controlling the in-between and stifling the faith of God's people. But David said, not today. When he heard me, he said, not today. Not with me around because I'm in covenant with God. David saw the physical battle on earth as a reflection of the spiritual battle in heaven. They will never find fulfillment living in fears what David said. And many of us are just like the Israelites. We're trying to fight a spiritual battle with physical hands. And can I be honest? No offense to anybody here. None of us are smart enough, clever enough, or strong enough to defy the enemy and to defeat him on our own. We need help from God. Listen, Satan's got game film on you and me. Game film. He knows what buttons to push. He knows how to put the right people in your life to distract you from what God's trying to do in your life. You know, people say, well, they're listening to us through our phone. Anybody ever heard that? And it's true. You say it's raining, all of a sudden you get on your phone and there's an ad about an umbrella. You need an umbrella. Let me tell you who's listening. The enemy's called the prince and the power of the air. And everything we speak and everything we say, he's taking it. He's going to use it against us. He's going to try to suffocate us and take the praise of God and the word of God out of us. And if we don't have a spiritual name to call out on that defies, come on. This name is above every principality the enemy tries 
to put around us. This name shreds the atmosphere of the enemy and gives us victory. That's why there's power in the name. So the enemy has studied us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows he knows just what to do to get us where we never thought we would be and put us in a place we never thought we would go doing things we never thought we would do. How did I get here? Man, I, this wasn't my intention. How did I get in this place? You know why? Because he knew what wiles and what methods and what traps to set before you to get you exactly where he wanted you to be. And the people of Israel gave this giant access to, the, the, to be the link to the enemy's victory and not to God's victory. Because the enemy knows how to paralyze you in fear or get you sidetracked in, on seemingly good things in order to keep you from what God has that will be the best for you, the destiny and victory for what you've been created for in God. King Saul said, Dave, oh Dave, before you go out there, let me put my armor on you. Go in the tent, the armor doesn't fit. And David says, man, I don't need your armor because this isn't a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. And your armor isn't going to help me because there's a spiritual covering on my life that comes from God. And I'm not going to fight the Goliath in your armor or with my own ability. I'm going with a name. I'm going with power. I'm going with authority from on high. From another world. Watch this. You got to get this. David knew that Goliath wasn't in covenant with God. Because he called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. You know what that meant? That Goliath wasn't in covenant with the people of God. A covenant is an agreement between you and God. You, you, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, God said, I'll show up and do something supernatural. It's a covenant. It costs me something. The covenant matters. You hear me? The covenant matters. Being born again of water and spirit matters. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what any denomination says. We've got to go to the word of God and see what God intended for us to have and for us to be. Some of you know I'm not about religion. I love Methodists. I even love Pentecostals. I love Presbyterian. I love Catholic. I love them all. Hey, my grandma took me to a Pentecost church. And she tried to instill in me what truth was. My, I met my wife and her mom and dad tried to instill in me what truth was. But I got to a point in my life and I said, I don't want to know what they say that truth is. God, I want to open your word. And I'm telling you, I bought this truth and I refuse to sell it. I've got to be in covenant. I don't care what grandma said or Pastor Spike. I've got to know what the word of God says. Listen. This is no offense to my heritage. This is none. This is no offense to my heritage. I have, I have, if you go down the line, I've got people in my family that were Pentecostal. This is no offense to them. But I didn't want a heritage. I didn't want just a heritage. I wanted to have an encounter with God for myself. I didn't want to just say, well, I lived it because great-grandma and grandma and, and brother Spikes lived it. I wanted to buy the truth for myself because the covenant matters. So what is the covenant? What is the covenant? Hebrews 10, 15 through 16. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is. Look at verse 17. This is. I'm sorry, 16, that's right. This is the covenant. 
He says, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us for after that he had said before, this is the covenant. Watch Romans 8, 8 through 9. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's not man-made religion. That's not vain philosophy. That's the word of God. Covenants matter to God and they should matter to us. And David's confidence in the covenant led him to the water. 1 Samuel 17 and 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Watch this. Before David ever goes and faces the giant. He goes to the water. And I believe this is typology of Jesus' name baptism because he reaches beneath the surface and he pulls out J-E-S-U-S because the only chance he had at defeating Goliath was the name that was in covenant with God. It was how he handled the water. You can't tell me it doesn't matter. You can't tell me it doesn't matter. You can't go down in Buddha and come up and say, I'm all right. You got to go down in the name. Got to go down in the name. You got to go down in the name. Simon Peter said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. What was he telling Simon Peter he was going to build the church on? The revelation of the name. Goliath responded to David's advance with his own disdain. For you're a youth and you're ruddy. Who are you? Your father didn't even want you to be anointed. But your heavenly father did. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Goliath was focused on what was in David's hands. But he had no clue what was stored in David's bag. And you can almost hear the music building in the background and see the passion that was on David's face as he gives one of the greatest battle speeches in history and introduces us to this uniquely powerful name of God. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom you have taunted he told Goliath he said I've already got the victory in my pouch I've already I'm already in covenant I already have the name we know the story he lets that stone fly and it hits Goliath in the forehead knocks him down he goes and gets his sword he cuts his head off now watch this he builds him a trophy case he takes the head of Goliath to Jerusalem right you know what was in Jerusalem The house of God. He takes the head of Goliath to Jerusalem. But he takes the armor of Goliath to his tent. He took the head of Goliath to Jerusalem to remind them what God could do in their life. That's what we got to do. You take a trophy to church with you and be like, look what I look. I used to be addicted, but look at where I'm at now. I've got a trophy that says I used to be bound by depression. and I used to be suicidal, but look look where I'm at now. But watch, not only do you take the head of Goliath to church, you got to take the armor of Goliath and the sword of Goliath home. 
to remind yourself when the enemy shows up and tells you you'll never be any better why do you even try why do you even go you look over at that trophy case and say you see that giant I destroyed in the name you see that watch this David won victory for an entire nation because he understood the value of a name David understood the only link for the children of Israel to find victory is if I link myself up with heaven and I link myself up with earth, I feel like that guy off Iron Man. <laughs> he said, the only way, my Lord, God help me, the only way that the whole nation gets victory is if there is a link between faith and fulfillment. Because you got a king in Saul that says he believes in God, but he won't go out and kill no giant. You got a whole nation say they belong to Jehovah, but they won't take the name of Jehovah and go in. The only way there's victory is if somebody says, I've got a name that brings heaven to earth. I've got a name. 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 The demons tremble. I've got a name. There is victory in the name. There's victory in the name. There's victory in the name. There's victory in the name. I've got to hurry. So Jesus continues in John 14. He said the next link is not just the name. The next link is this. John 14, 16 through 17. And I will ask, ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. And you will be in, watch this, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world has an excuse to not be doing what God's called them to do. Because they caught up in the culture of the world. They're caught up in a culture that says God doesn't exist. He's just a, 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 a fiction character. There's no reality to him. He's not real. These people are crazy. Look at Brother Josh up here. I can tell you right now why I do what I do. You know why I do what I do? I promise you, if I didn't think this was real, I'm out tomorrow. And you heard me say, when I stop preaching this word, find you another church to go to. Because this ain't about me. It ain't about me. This isn't a cult. You people can think for yourselves, and I want you to, because I don't want you to have an encounter that I told you about. I want you to have an encounter that the word of God tells you about. Watch. Do you know why I do what I do? Because at 12 years old, I went to an altar and I threw up my hands. And I said, God, if this is real, give it to me. And all of a sudden, I began to speak in a language I didn't know. Listen, and when people heard that I spoke in tongues, they would make fun of me. You believe it. Everybody's speaking in tongues now, everybody. But back then, I know I'm old. Back then, they had a three-way call system. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Had to have a, you had to pay a little bit extra a month, but I, I had two guys, they called me, they said, if you speak in tongues, speak in tongues right now on the phone. I said, it ain't even like that. Now, I'm not like Sister Tiffany. Sister Tiffany can be joking with you one minute, ha, 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 and it goes straight into the Holy Ghost. Even. <laughs> Listen, it takes me a little while. I got to dig a little deeper. <laughs> but at 12 years old. <laughs> Watch this. 
God gave me something that has never let me go. And no matter how far I've tried to run, I remember at 15, I was in a situation with some of my friends. And we were out late. Mama didn't even know where I was. At 15, preacher, you better quit telling stories. I know I'm better, but I got to tell you this one. At 15, I was out doing something I shouldn't have done. We was in a single cab truck with about six guys. And I remember driving around. These guys are as drunk and as high as a kite. And I remember praying. I had the Holy Ghost at 12, but now I'm 15, acting like a hoodlum. I don't know what happened. And I remember praying in that truck as we drove past that old church that I went to. I said, God, if you'll get me out of this situation and give me one more opportunity. You know what was happening? The Holy Ghost was nudging me and saying, you're not made for this. You're made for more. There's an advocate. There's a counselor. There is more for your life. Every time. And every time I've tried to run, every time I've tried to get away. Every time, I remember my, grand, my great-grandmother called me over. And you know what she told me? I'm, I'm just being real. I got to hurry. I'm talking about this advocate. My great-grandmother called me. And she said, look, she said, you can do whatever you want to do. And I, I don't know if she's in the Holy Ghost. Or I don't know if my mama called her. I don't know which one, but it's just what she told me. She said, you can do whatever you want to do. But God's got a calling and anointing on your life. And if you do what God's called you to do and you stay after his spirit, he'll use you in mighty ways. But if you choose to go another direction, you'll die at a young age. I said, Grandma, quit playing. (laughs) Better quit playing, Grandma. This is the same lady that couldn't read or write. And God woke her up in the middle of the night and said, you got to go to Alabama and pray for a baby. If you don't go and pray for that baby, it's going to die. Her and, my grand, her and my great-grandfather couldn't read or write, but there was an advocate. There was a counselor. There was a satellite on the inside of them. And they got up and got in their vehicle. They didn't have GPS. They didn't have Google Maps or iMaps. But they got in the vehicle and the Holy Spirit guided them to Alabama and they knocked on the door and a man opened the door and said, God told me he was going to send somebody. And they walked in and laid hands on that sick baby and God raised it up. And that baby lived and grew up to be a mighty vessel for God. You've come too late to tell me it ain't real. I don't care what culture says. It's what we need. It's what we need. It's what we need. Put verse 17 back up there, please. Put verse 17, and I got to hurry. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he shall be with you. Think about this. Jesus told his disciples, I am Emmanuel, God with you. But after I sin, go tarry in an upper room, and I'm not lo- no longer going to be Emmanuel, God with you. I'm going to be the Holy Spirit, God in you. He said, don't preach a word till you've been empowered from on high. And these disciples waited in that upper room. Now, you got to get this because we're talking about covenant. You know what every Old Testament covenant came with? It came with a sign and it came with a seal. Watch this. The sign and seal of the covenant promise to Adam and Eve was a seed. They was going to have a son. The sign and the seal of the covenant of promise to Noah was a rainbow. The sign and the seal of the covenant of promise to Abraham was circumcision. 
The sign and the seal of the covenant of promise to Moses was the Sabbath. The sign and the seal of the covenant of promise of atonement for sin was the Passover. The sign and the seal of the covenant of promise to David was an internal throne that his family was sent on. But watch this. The sign and the seal of the covenant of the church, God's people, was going to be his spirit showing up with a heavenly utterance. How do you know that? Isaiah 28, 11 through 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak Will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear without a sign. It's the refreshing. But watch Ephesians 1 and 13. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that of the Holy Spirit of promise. With every covenant, there's always a sign and a seal. And you hear me, I told you I'm not about religion. But I can promise you this, it's God's will for everyone to be signed, sealed, and delivered. And it's not just a Pentecostal thing. It's not just a Methodist thing. It's not just a Presbyterian thing. It's not just a Baptist thing or a Pentecostal. It's a Jesus thing. God wants to fill everybody with this spirit, this advocate that prays when we don't know what to pray. It'll pray for us. Think about this. The Holy Spirit comes with its own prayer language. And Paul said when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you pray directly to God. You stand in the gap. Now, I was in, I was in town one day and I talked to my buddy. His dad was a Baptist pa a preacher, evangelist, not pastor. He was a Baptist evangelist. And this guy's dad was good to me coming up. Matter of fact, there was a summer that his dad wanted to take me on the, on the field, the evangelistic field, with him. He wanted me to go a whole summer with him preaching. He knew I had a calling on my life. I didn't get to go. I regret it today. I wish it would have went. But I saw this, this man's son who I grew up with. And we began to talk about his dad and how powerful he was. And he told me, he said, man, my dad's got a box of sermons that I'm not going to give to everybody. He said, but I would love to give you some. I said, absolutely. And we got to talking about his dad. And his dad, they would, they would even say that he was more of a fireball preacher. And we got to talking about the Holy Spirit. And this young man, this is what he said. He said, bro, I can't tell you the times that I would be sitting in the living room. And I'm sitting in the living room. And he said, I hear something unique happening in the bedroom and he said there's this language that I hear in the bedroom and he said I walk over to the door and he said my dad is kneeled down praying in tongues and spiritual warfare you know what his dad was doing his dad said I don't care if I'm Baptist Pentecostal or Methodist I'm a connect point between heaven and earth and when I pray in the Holy Spirit I stand in the gap and I pull these words together Blake Ziegler, where you at? We was eating dinner the other night, Friday night, and Blake began to tell us about how he got the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Brother Ralph was teaching him a Bible study. He didn't know a lot about this. And he said, I was nervous, didn't know what to do. He said, but I started praying, God, if it's your will for me to have a heavenly language and to be full of your spirit, then fill me. God didn't fill Blake at an altar. God filled him while he was in his vehicle on the way to work. And with a sincere heart, he was praying. And the Holy Spirit fell on him. And God began to fill him up. 
and he spoke in a language that says now you got the power to connect heaven on earth with the power. That's what Jesus was telling them. He said, I'm telling you, when you get the Holy Ghost in that upper room, you're going to be different. You're not going to be the same. There's going to be so much power. The world is telling us you don't need that. It's only a gift for a certain amount of people. No, ma'am, no, sir. The Bible says when I don't know what to do or pray, all I got to do is tap into the Holy Spirit and it fights my battles for me. I tell people this about tongues and I'm hurrying. I tell them this. Paul said I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom but with a demonstration of God's power. So what I believe, I believe that God gave us a language that the enemy cannot interpret. That's why Paul said, Paul said, I pray with understanding, but Paul said, I also pray in the spirit. He says, I know God in two different, on two different levels. He said, I can pray with understanding. Now, now hear me. Those of you that speak in tongues 24-7, stop. Stop. You're confusing people. Learn to speak the word of God and give instruction. Because when you tap into the spirit, you're not edifying the person next to you. You're getting in tune with God to stand in the gap and build a hedge for somebody that is around you. Paul said, I pray with understanding, but I pray in the spirit. That's what Paul said. And then you go to 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth? Watch this. We can't even know what God wants to do. For what man knoweth is the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. My grandma had one of them big old them big satellite dishes when, she was, when I was younger. We didn't have Disney Plus or Netflix or any of that, so... Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you had a one-bedroom apartment but had a satellite this big in front of your house. Couldn't even see your house. This big. Bigger than your house. You paid more for the satellite than you did for your house. But I remember I go over there on Saturday mornings to catch up on my cartoons. <laughs> anyway, back to my grandma. Musicians, you get ready. Grandma had this big old satellite dish. I was like, this thing was huge. But when I, I could see it as clear as day, when I went inside her house, there was this little receiver. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I realized that we would never have a picture on the inside without that little receiver in there. We would never know what the satellite is picking up on the outside without the receiver on the inside. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We'll never be able to pick up what God wants to do on the outside and bring it on the inside without a little nudge from the Spirit. Anybody, anybody ever been going somewhere and God impressed on you? Hold, hold up. You got to pray right here. That's the Spirit revealing the deep things of God. Teaching us what man could never teach us. Bringing revelation to his word. And not only that, guys, this battle is spiritual. You're not going to win this by fighting in the flesh. You're living between two worlds. And the motto of this generation is to each their own. Be your own God. Do whatever you want to do. Vain philosophy. Be merry and logical, but don't be spiritual. But I can tell you what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I read a story the other day about a lady. Her and her husband pastored a church. This is okay. I was trying to be 35 minutes, but I'm not. Her and her husband was pastoring a church. It wasn't a Pentecostal. But they were filled with God's spirit. 
And one day she's in Home Depot, and all of a sudden she gets a nudge. God gives her a vision and says she sees a vision of a man walking into her husband's office with a gun and killing her husband in his office. She said immediately she went into spiritual warfare. She went into tongues, praying. God intervened. She said, I got out of there as quick as I can. She said, I went home and I fell on my face. And I said, God, I'm standing in the gap between what you showed me and what the enemy is playing. And she said, I went into intercession and I went into prayer. She said, I prayed in tongues and I prayed in English. And she said, I prayed until the burden was lifted. She said, I waited a couple hours. I was scared to call my husband. She said, I finally picked up the phone and called him. She said, baby, has anything interesting happened today? He said, I got to tell you something. He said, it's, it's going to scare you to death. It's chilling. He said, I've been counseling a medical doctor that is mentally ill, has no mental stability. He said, I've been counseling him, and we had a session set up today. He said, and that man walked into my office, and when he walked into my office, he had confusion on his face, and he's looking at me. And the man sat down and began to weep, and he looks at the pastor. He says, I've been in a hotel room for three days, and I haven't slept. He said, and I had a gun, and I was coming here today to kill you and myself. He said, but I got in the vehicle and started driving. He said, when I got in the vehicle and started driving this way, I realized that I forgot the gun in the hotel room. And the pastor looked at him and said, well, well, obviously God intervened and that man fell on his knees and lifted up his hands and the pastor laid hands on him and God filled that man instantly, delivered him, filled him with his spirit. Because there was a divine link and a wife said that I'm in tune. I'm in tune. I can't explain it, but I'm in tune. Let's stand. Our world is in upheaval. Faith is being trivialized. The existence of God is being debated. Moral values are failing, just like in the days of Ezekiel. Ezekiel said it's caused by pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. And here we are in a world between, we're in the church. The same church that was built in Acts 2 when they had the sign, clothing and fire set upon each of them and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The same power that gave them authority to walk and turn the Roman Empire upside down. And I feel God asking the same question today. I'm seeking for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Because I don't want to destroy it. I want to have revival reconciliation I need intercessors you know what an intercessor does it puts they put themselves in harm way harm's way to help others like Jochebed who says this anti-god Pharaoh cannot have Moses or like when Northwest Airlines flight when a Northwest Airline flight crashed after taking off from Detroit it was in 1987 it killed 155 people emergency personnel showed up and they found a four-year-old girl walking around named Cecilia. Investigators refused to believe she had been on the plane that, that had killed everyone on board. But they found her name on the flight manifest list. And they asked Cecilia, what happened? And Cecilia said, when my mom realized the plane was going down, she unbuckled her seatbelt. 
and she wrapped me in her arms and she covered me and my mama perished but she saved my life what about what about the worst blizzard that hit northern Japan and a daughter goes out to clean the driveway and the mother follows behind her and there's a wall of snow that falls from the rooftop and buries them 10 feet down and when emergency 24 hours later rescuers heard a whimper from a huge mound of snow and they dug through that snow and they found they found that little girl in the hands of her dead mother that says I got her I'm not going to let her go because there was somebody that says I've got a grip and I refuse to let go between faith and fulfillment I refuse to let go hear me church it was like that inmate that went to prison he was telling another inmate about his dad. He said, my dad's a heroin addict. My dad beat me every day with a pipe. And he looks at the inmate and he says, but my mom, my mama never stopped loving me. When everything else was going wrong, mama was always there. Matter of fact, mama comes and sees me every weekend. And that inmate started crying with tears running, running down his face. He says, matter of fact, my mama takes seven buses every weekend to get to where I am. And we forgot. You, Paul called the church the mother of us all. Have we forgot what we're called to do? We're called to embrace people, to get people out of the world and tell them there's a place, there is a link. heaven and earth you know what that link is you and me just a little bit of faith isn't going to get us anywhere going through the motions do you know what killed the Roman Empire is they made their plates their cups even their water lines out of lead because it was easy to mold and they didn't even know that the thing they thought was going to bring them life was bringing them poison and if you try to fashion if you try to fix your own problems and you try to work it with your hands, it's only going to bring poison to your life. But if you ever get in touch, now here, I'm not telling you you get the Holy Spirit, everything's going to be good. It's not. But I can tell you, when your son's having seizures and when you're broken, I remember Brantley had four seizures. One seizure, he was blind, couldn't see. I remember running through those doors and I ran down to this altar fell on my face and I said God I don't know what you're doing I don't know what's going on but you have anointed me to bring heaven to earth and I began to tap into that river of living water that lived on the inside of me and God began to restore and say hey everything's going to be alright you're going to be alright because there's a link uh, every day of my life every day of my life God, I pray that you release angels and build a hedge of protection around my family. God, I plead your blood in your name over Brantley and London and Tiffany and myself. God, I plead your blood over Sir Spikes and Trent and Jeremy and Joni and their kids and Kent and Kathy and their kids. God, over my mom and Greg and Greg's kids and Daddy and Teresa and Teresa's kids. God, and I plead it over my sisters, Kim and Kaylee and Amy. 
God, Ian, Trey, and Devin, God, I mark them in your blood right now. I pray a covering over them in their home, God. Everywhere they go, God, everywhere they travel, everywhere they stay, God, I've got to be the one that is the link between faith and fulfillment, God. I've got to be the covering between two worlds. We're going down.